Welcome to the UK Virtual School Podcast, a podcast for parents, home educating families, and those looking for an alternative to the current education system. I'm Sid, the founder of UK's first online school that does things differently. We dare to be different. We dare to question the notion of our current education system. Join us as we create a movement to disrupt education and seek to create one which is innovative, inclusive and fulfilling for the children who will become the leaders and change makers of tomorrow. Join us and become part of the conversation. Welcome to episode six of the UK Virtual School podcast. How do home educated kids sit GCSEs? A 101 guide to exams as a home educator. At the moment, we at UK Virtual School are in enrolment season. We've completed our very first year. It's been an unpredictable year during a global pandemic. A year in which we provided security, structure and community for families, teachers and our staff. One thing I am keen to do as the founder of UK Virtual School is to help guide families who reach out to us. Currently, I'm having meetings with old and new families to guide them through the structure of UK Virtual School, but also to listen and to hear and to understand their stories and their journeys. One thing that we realise when we're working with home educating families is that everyone's journey and story is unique, as unique as our fingerprint. And with every journey and story that we're told, we can develop UK Virtual School to become a better and inclusive and more diverse place. Parental engagement is really important to us. We often describe our relationship with parents and kids as a three-way relationship between the parent, the child and UK Virtual School. We want the parents to be involved. Many schools struggle to get parents' involvement in their child's education. One thing we realise is when parents opt to home educate, they very much want to be involved. And we also want them to be involved because with their involvement, their kids will have the best facilitated education that they can find. But a common question I do get asked by lots of people and also new people looking to home educate is about assessment and exams. Does my child need to sit exams? How will my child sit exams? What happens with coursework? How do you guys assess at UK Virtual School where my child's at? Do I need to be in the UK? How many GCSEs does my child need to sit? And more importantly, the future of your child. So will colleges and universities and employers take these grades and this journey of home education into account? And what will they look out for? These and many other questions often pass through parents' minds. And I've spoken to many, many parents over the years who've gone through this self-doubt and not knowing and not understanding the system well enough to be able to make an informed decision. I'm also finding more recently over the last couple of years that parents who are thinking about GCSEs and the future of their child is getting earlier and earlier. Like more recently, I've had families who've got primary age kids thinking about what's going to happen and if they will need to send their kids back to school when it comes to secondary. So what I thought I'd do is create an episode in which I answer some of these questions and share my knowledge and guidance on this particular topic. Just like everything that you hear online, this is guidance only, and there are always going to be different ways of achieving the same result. 
I could tell you one way in which you could follow and you might hear an exceptional story of how someone got to uni without any GCSEs. So there's always going to be more than one route to get to the end result. But I'm going to share with you some of the guidance that I've shared with many, many other families that have reached out to me. So what I'm going to be sharing is based on my 11 years of experience working with many, many home educators. Over this period of time, I've worked with 12,000 kids. A lot of these were school kids, but also there was a good proportion of home educating families. Over the years, I've helped guide many families through schooling, making the transition from schooling to home education and vice versa, and also to home educating families who have always been home educating. More recently, because we've become such a global company being online, I've had families contact us from all over the world, Africa, Asia, Europe. It seems to be getting easier for families to reach out to us now that we're online. And what I'm having to do is to explain how the UK education system works and especially how home education works because they don't have very many contacts in the UK. So this episode is for those people who are looking to move to the UK and want to understand how the home education community works here. Those families who've traditionally been schooling and want to have an indication of how things differ between the schooling system in the UK and the home education community, and also for families who've always been home educating but have never had a child go through exams before. So it's going to cater for lots of different types of families. Of course, things always change, and by the time you listen to this podcast, there may have been changes to the way things are done, to the way that exams are done, to the requirements that GCSEs and universities and other things require. So please also do your own research. Use this podcast as a starting point and use the guidance that I'm going to be sharing with you as a starting point for your research. I'll also be producing a PDF document that you can download from our website and that will help you through your research process and include some of the key points that I've mentioned in this podcast. Okay, so let's go through those questions I mentioned earlier. First one, does my child need to sit exams? I think it's important here to discuss what exams you're required to take as a home educator. Technically, none. Primary age families tend to worry about SATs. Year 2 SATs, Year 6 SATs, Year 9 SATs are not so common anymore, but predominantly primary age SATs. As a home educator, there is no requirement to take any of those. Of course, you can print off practice papers and you can get your child to do them. But SATs are normally there to assess the school's progress as a whole, not individual child progress. Although in more recent years, they've been used as a benchmark for kids as well. So SATs are not something that home educators do. So what exams do home educators do? Well, I've said technically they don't have to do any. You don't have to do any exams. You don't have to do GCSEs. You don't have to do A-levels. You don't have to do anything. But realistically, universities, colleges, employers will expect at least some sort of qualifications. So I'm going to be giving you the bare minimum of what's expected for a child to be able to go through the education system, higher education system, and also get a decent job. So let's have a look, first of all, what the law says, because I think that's an interesting starting point. What does the law say around home education? So I'm going to be sharing with you Section 7 of the Education Act 1996. 
The parent of every child of compulsory school age shall cause him to receive efficient full-time education suitable to his age, ability and aptitude and to any special educational needs he may have either by regular attendance at school or otherwise. Now, as you can see there, from what I've read from the Education Act, you don't need to sit any examinations. You don't need to have a nine till three regimen in place. Education can happen in very many different ways. And as home educators, the families get to decide what kind of education a child needs and what kind of education they want to provide. As long as it's full time. What does full time even mean? It doesn't mean that you have to sit in front of a desk between a certain number of hours a week because when you are in a home setting, education is happening continuously over the course of the day and over the course of the year. You don't have to follow the school term times. You don't have to follow anything like the traditional schooling system. Now, many families interpret this in different ways. Some families will educate while they're traveling and kids will be learning about different cultures and different traditions as and when they travel. Some families will spend a lot of time going on trips, museums, art galleries, field trips, and basically traveling around the country that they're situated in. That's a form of education. Education isn't just pen and paper. It isn't just sitting in front of a computer. It isn't just doing worksheets. Education is whatever you want it to be. And that could be playing with Lego, watching a video, a documentary, it could be anything. So when you are assessing how much your child has been learning, think about all the points in the day where they would have learnt a new skill or learnt a new fact or continue to harness and develop a new skill that they've already learnt. So based on the law, your child isn't required to sit any exams because they may not have followed the traditional school curriculum, because education can be anything you want it to be. Now, there is a lot of documentation available on the government website, and I will provide the links on our website so you can actually have a look yourself. There is a 24-page document for parents on elective home education. That's what it's called in the UK. You can read through that guidance and have a look at what the requirements are for parents, essentially, in what a full-time education is. And you'll see that there's no clear definition of what that is. In that documentation, there's also information about the LEA and their involvement. And you can read the information in there and get an idea of what's expected of you as a parent. So that's the first question. Does my child need to sit exams? The answer is no. And I mentioned it just a bit earlier that realistically, it's probably a good idea especially in maths and English. There's a lot of applications for employment, especially in really demanding jobs that have a blanket requirement in basic English and maths GCSEs or equivalent. So you won't be able to even proceed with an application online without checking that box. So the bare minimum requirement is maths and English language. Many home educating families will do five GCSEs and this is the bare minimum GCSEs that I would recommend personally. Five GCSEs give you a good range of skills across five different subjects. It also means that 
the ability to do A-levels. If you've picked subjects at GCSE, which you're going to continue to do at A-levels, it will give you then access to the majority of A-level places or colleges and enable you to do that. And most universities will also look for a minimum of five. Now, again, like I've said before, there's always exceptions. There's been cases where families have been able to get to university on far less GCSEs than five. And again, these are exceptions, but the bare minimum of five is something that I would say is a really good kind of baseline to use. So English and maths is two that I would highly recommend. Then there's science. And at UK Virtual School, I believe that kids should do single award science. So they have biology, chemistry and physics as three separate GCSEs. Now, why do I do it like this and not as a double award? Well, let's talk about the difference between the two different types of GCSEs first. And in a second, I'll talk about IGCSEs because that is something that we will have to do for science. But I'm going to be referring to to this as GCSEs for now. So if you were to do double award science, you would still learn physics, chemistry and biology, but you would only get two grades at the end. And those two grades would be an average of those three subjects that you've done and that grade would be doubled. So say on the old system we got a combined score of B on physics, biology and chemistry. Double award would mean that you would get BB. You'd get two GCSEs BB. On the new system we have numbers from one till nine. So that would be six six or seven seven. Whatever grade you get it would be doubled. Now what does that do? It means if your child is a whiz at biology and they would have got the highest mark possible on biology, but they're not so great at physics, if you do double award, you're not able to tell the difference because it will give you one overall grade. It also makes it harder for students wanting to do A-levels in science because there's extra content covered in single award that isn't covered in double. And again, you can't see which science was your strength. So at UK Virtual School, we just do single award. There's only a little bit extra that the kids need to learn to be able to to sit a GCSE in physics, a GCSE in biology, a GCSE in chemistry. And the majority of cases, that extra bit of information isn't even harder than the the normal double award. Then the other reason is it'll give you five. If you've done maths and English and you've done the three sciences, you've got your minimum of five GCSEs. Now we're offering English literature from this year as well. So you could actually pick that and you could then drop one of the sciences if you wanted to, because you don't have to do all the sciences. But we tend to do them as single awards because it will then put you in a better position in the future if you want to continue with one of them at A-level. And it also gives you an overview of what your, where your strengths and your weaknesses are. Because if you are struggling with maths, the chances are you're going to be struggling with physics. But it'll bring your grade down if you do double award for science overall. And the sciences are very different. My background's in science. Biology is very different from chemistry and chemistry is very different from physics. So having single awards just shows you where your strengths are. And it might be that you prefer one over the other. And then you can pick and choose as a home educator. So we've discussed that bare minimum of five is something that most home educators should be aiming for because colleges and universities will look for English and maths at least and they'll look for other subjects that you're doing. Now, what about how does your child sit exams? What about coursework? These two are interlinked. 
So with GCSE English, for example, there is a speaking component, which as a home educator is very difficult to do. It's not impossible, but it's just difficult to do and very few exam centres offer that as a result. So how do we get around that? And how do we get around things like coursework and other things like practical assessments for science? Because there is an assessed element of doing practical work in GCSE science. How do we get around that? Well, there's a difference between IGCSEs, which is what home educators normally do, and GCSEs. So GCSE stands for General Certificate of Secondary Education. And IGCSE is International GCSE. So what does that actually mean? Well, there's very many kids abroad that study the UK system. They study British exams and the British curriculum and the British GCSEs. Now, what happens is if they're abroad, they might not have access to teachers who can mark coursework or access to practical assessments. So IGCSEs is a way to sit exams internationally. And most home educators also opt for this because it means that there's no speaking component for English and it means there's no practical component for science. And it makes life easier for everyone because doing the practical side of science is very expensive as a home educator. So IGCSEs are equivalent to GCSEs. They're recognised everywhere. And sometimes some colleges or A-level provider sixth form places or universities haven't heard of IGCSEs because their department has never heard of them before. But they're equivalent and they're internationally recognised and your child can sit a combination of GCSEs and IGCSEs. Now, one example is maths. A home educator can sit the GCSE or the IGCSE. The only difference is the number of papers and the fact that in one of them it's all calculator and the other one is a mixture of calculator and non-calculator. Now, at UK Virtual School, we've opted for GCSE Edexcel maths. And that is because one paper is calculator and another paper is non-calculator. My background's in maths and science. I'm a strong believer that kids should have non-calculator skills to be able to deal with maths. And that's why we do that. But we could have easily picked IGCSE. There are certain subjects which have exams that can be GCSE or IGCSE. There are other subjects like English and science that will need to be an IGCSE so they don't have to worry about coursework or practical assessments or speaking components or anything like that. That's the difference between IGCSE and GCSE. But how will your child actually sit the exam itself? The exams can't be sat online. And there seems to be a misconception that because we are an online school that your child will be able to sit the exam with us online. That can't happen. The exams have to be sat in a physical location and invigilated to the exam board standard. And that needs to be done at registered exam centres. Because we're completely virtual, that's not something that we can directly provide. But there are very many private exam centres all over the UK and actually all over the world that provide examinations for private candidates because as a home educator you're classed as a private candidate because you will have to pay for the exam fees. You'll be charged directly from the private exam centre. Now an alternative is finding a school. 
So we have exam centres who are set up purely for students to sit exams externally. Then you have schools which also sit the same exam that you're doing. And some schools will be open for private candidates to come in and sit the exams alongside their students. So sometimes it's a case of asking around and seeing which one you would like to do, whether you'd like your child to go into a school or whether you'd like your child to go into a private exam centre. More and more families are reaching out to us who are based abroad and their worry is how will my child sit the exams when they finally get to year 11 with us. We do Edexcel exams at UK Virtual School. So Edexcel, on the Pearson Edexcel, they have a website and on there they have listed all their international centres that are registered with them. You can select by country and then by city and find out which centres there are locally to you. Now, private exam centres, there's not one in every single city. So you might have to travel. You might have to travel to the next city and make arrangements to stay over somewhere when your child is sitting exams, depending on how many they have. Or some families decide to actually come to the UK to sit the exams and then they'll go back again uh, wherever they are. So there's that option as well. But I would first of all check locally because obviously with travel as well, it can be more stressful for your child. So try and find something locally. And I again will share the link on our website. So if you go to the podcast description, there will be a link there to our website and you'll be able to directly go onto the Pearson website and search for an exam centre near you. That's how exams will be sat. We can provide all the teaching. We can provide the support and the structure to help you go through the examination process. And then the exam itself will have to be sat at a physical location. And again, you need to check where that physical location will be. And because we follow the Edexcel exams, then the Pearson website is the best place for you to check that. Another common question that we get asked is how do you assess the progress of my child throughout the three years that they do the GCSEs with you? We run three-year GCSE courses because we feel that the child can then progress at a steady pace throughout those three years rather than rushing everything in two years. As a school policy, we don't mark homework. And then parents raise the concern of how are you assessing my child? Now, the exception is when we get to year nine, there will be and there is certain points in the year where teachers will ask for homework to be submitted because they do want to have a look at it and they do want to assess where your child's at, especially with things like English when there's longer prose writing or even with maths where they want to look at calculations or with science when they're looking at six mark worded questions. They obviously want to have a chance to have a look and to see where the progress of your child is. We also have mock exams in year 9, year 10 and year 11 and those are done under exam conditions but those are done virtually and we get a really good idea of where your child is at if they have done those under exam conditions because obviously we can't see what else they've got around them. So we rely on the parents to scan the exam paper in and then we can mark and assess where your child is at. So we do do some assessment when it comes to year 9, 10, 11, but lower down the school generally, we do not mark homework as such. And that is because we're trying to instill this growth mindset. When you mark work and you give a grade or you have ticks and you have crosses, 
it forces the child to focus on those ticks and crosses and not on the journey that they've taken to produce that homework. And what we want to do is to focus on the concept and the understanding and how they're thinking before they get to the answer. By doing it the way that we do, it's very effective, it works, it it builds up confidence with the kids and they definitely do progress and you will see that as a parent. But when it does come to year nine, we do do some assessments and we do do mock exams to make sure that your child is getting the practice that they need to be able to sit the exams. So the next question, do I need to be in the UK? To study for the exams, no. You can study with us virtually anywhere in the world. To sit the exams themselves, you will need to search for a local centre and if there isn't one in the city or the country that you're in, then you might want to travel. And again, it doesn't have to be to the UK, but actually you could look for neighbouring countries and see whether there's an appropriate centre for them to sit at. How many GCSEs do you need to take? Well, schools will say... 10. If you go to a traditional school, they will do a minimum of 10. Some schools do 11, some schools do 12, 13, 14 exams, and that is very stressful for kids. Most home educators opt for five. You can do more. We only provide, at the time that I'm recording this podcast, we only provide six GCSEs. And it may be in the future that we introduce other subjects as well. But for the time being, we do maths, English language, English literature, physics, chemistry and biology. So all the core subjects. But in the future we may provide more. But you don't need to do more. You can just do five. You can technically do less, but I would recommend you do five. And you can do more. You can find other providers that will offer the other subjects that your child wants to do. There are things like art and dance and PE which are really difficult to do at GCSE level. And there may be other routes to get equivalent Maybe not equivalent to GCSEs, but a qualification in that subject. So, for example, Arts Awards is one where it's not an art GCSE, but it's very much aligned to how home educators work and they're able to at least achieve some qualification in art. But with subjects like art, the portfolio is really important. So if your child wants to pursue that, one thing I would say is if you have an idea of which colleges which sixth form centres, which universities your child wants to go to, you need to do your research and you need to have a look at the requirements for that particular institution. Now, sometimes they will say one thing, but when you reach out to them and you, you explain that you're a home educator, they may have different requirements for you. So speak to people. Use this podcast, as I said earlier, as a starting point and then go and reach other people, colleges, sixth form centres, universities that you're interested in and ask the question. Explain your situation, tell them that you're intending to home educate and ask them, what does my child need to enter degree X, Y or Z? What do they need? And they will tell you. And then work backwards, especially if you know what your child wants to do. Work backwards, find out what qualifications they need at university level, then work backwards and plan your home ed journey. Now, if your child has no idea, then keep those options as open as possible. Do as many GCSEs as you possibly can. Keep your A-levels as open as possible. So then when you come to picking university courses, you have the flexibility of picking something vocational and you're not limited because you didn't do the A-level in that course. 
Sometimes there's a misconception that you need to do psychology or law GCSE to be able to do psychology at university or A-level. Vocational-based courses do not necessarily require you to do the same subject for A-level or GCSE. So for example, law. Law does not require, and actually they prefer if you have not done law at A-level, because they prefer the skills that you develop in the other areas and the other subjects that you might be taking. And there's also such a thing as a law conversion course. So after you've done your first degree, some people might opt to do the law conversion course, which is a year course, and go into law. And some law firms really like that because it means that the candidate has got areas of interest outside of law and they're able to then work with companies in other industries in the industry that they've got uh, the first degree in. And it means that there's a wider skill set that the firm can then offer. So think outside the box. Don't be regimented by saying, okay, I want to do law at uni. It means I need a law A-level. It means I need a law GCSE. You can actually be a bit more creative. Law is essay writing. Okay, so you might want to do English literature, you might want to do history, you might want to do some essay writing subjects. But equally, if you're interested in maths, that's not going to be a disadvantage to you as a law student. Okay, that's going to be really useful. And employers will look favourably on skills that their law firm does not have. So if you've got a skill set that is outside of the scope or is is going to be easily relatable to their clients, they're going to look at you more favorably. So that's something to keep in mind. One thing that parents worry about is, do IGCSEs, are they accepted by universities? Are they accepted by employers? As I've said earlier, IGCSEs and GCSEs are equivalent to each other. Okay, most private schools in the UK until fairly recently did IGCSEs because they were a lot more demanding. It meant that they had to do, they were purely assessed on the exam. There was no coursework. There was no opportunity to potentially cheat. There was no opportunity to build those skills in coursework over a period of time. It was all assessed at the end of the two years and they preferred that kind of style of curriculum. Now with the new curriculum change a couple of years ago when we moved to numbering as grading rather than letters, GCSEs and IGCSEs are more aligned now. And one reason why a lot of private schools now and and grammar schools do not opt for IGCSEs is because they are not used on league tables. So to be able to show that a school is comparable to another school, most schools are now opting for GCSEs. But this does not mean that they are any less rigorous. This does not mean that it's a different qualification. That's not equivalent. They're equivalent qualifications. And there are variances and differences in the curriculum, but the basics are covered in both. Now, if you are either home educating and intending to go to school partway through your child learning GCSEs or vice versa if your child is in school and then intending to home educate, there will be a difference in curriculum. There's more than one exam board. There's Edexcel, which is what we do. There's Cambridge, there's AQA. There's more than one exam board. Between each of the exam boards, there's differences in curriculum. But the basics of math is the same, but the style of the exam papers and the way that they assess the questions are going to differ. So as a home educator, 
If you are completely new and you have no idea what you're intending to do and you don't know whether you want an online school, then I would say look at the exam papers and have a look at the style of questions and pick an examination board that's suited to your child. Now, obviously, if you come to us, you're not going to get that level of choice. It's going to be Edexcel that we do. But if you are doing this purely on your own, then you have that choice. And then you can look for a provider that fits with the exam board that you're looking for. So that would be my guidance on that. The other thing to note is, like I've said earlier, if your child is leaving school and coming to UK virtual school or to any other provider or you're intending to homeschool at home, then there will be a difference in curriculum and you need to have a look at what that variation is between a GCSE and an IGCSE and make sure that you fill those gaps in. Now, if you leave that really late and you pull them out at the beginning or like the middle of year 11, that's leaving it a tiny bit late and it's adding unnecessary pressure onto your child. So just be aware of that. Or if you have been home educating till year 10 and then you decide to go back to school, there's going to be a shift in the curriculum again. So going from IGCSE to GCSE, there's going to be a change. And that change is, again, unnecessary pressure. So my advice would be that if you are intending to home educate for GCSE, stick it the whole way through the GCSE period. And if you started GCSEs in school, stick it the whole way through unless you are so certain that it's not going to work and you want to make that change. But just be aware that there will be a curriculum change and a curriculum shift between doing that. Okay, so I think I've shared a lot of things and um, I've gone through some of the most common questions that get asked by parents And I will be compiling a PDF document with all these key questions and some key information and with links of where you can find uh, extra information. If you intend to do GCSEs with us, as I've mentioned earlier, we do three-year courses. You can join in year nine and you can do a three-year GCSE course with us. Now, we don't limit the age at which your child attends so your child could actually be much younger they could be 11 and you think that they're ready to do maths GCSE for example and they can start up with our year nine classes our GCSE classes at UK virtual school are very small they're very small they're, they allow the child to ask questions they allow that relationship to be built between the teachers and the kids and also the parents and we want kids to flourish And the best way to do that is to have a very open relationship with them. And it works. The kids are excited and they're curious and they're able to progress really well through their studies. If you would like to discuss further, just reach out to us and opt to have a meeting with me. And I can talk you through the different subjects that we have and the different structures and the different pricing systems. We have interactive lessons. We've got more webinar style, what we call the one-way stream classes. We also have video bundles. If you want to do your own thing in your own time, go and check out the video bundle packs in our resource section on our website. That contains all the videos from last year in all the subjects that we did last year. So you could basically purchase English Year 9 GCSE and work at your own pace through that curriculum. And for the time being, this is on a sale until the end of the 30th of August. It's only £99 for an entire year's worth of content, which is a bargain. So go and have a look at that. I'll drop the link for that as well. 
So just to summarize, I've gone through a list of different questions, common questions that get asked by families who are worried about what's going to happen when their child gets to exam age. So the exams that home educators generally tend to do are GCSEs and IGCSE exams. We assess them throughout uh, year 9, 10, 11, and not through regular homework, but through clear assessments and mock exams. You don't need to be in the UK to do GCSEs and IGCSEs, which are running on the British curriculum. You can be based anywhere in the world. There are exam centres, private exam centres all over the place, and I'll drop the link. Your child doesn't need to do a minimum number of GCSEs, but I would recommend at least maths and English language, as those seem to be the most compulsory ones when you go into employment and universities will look at those as well. Again, there's always exceptions, but generally speaking, they will be looking for that. And I would also advise getting a minimum of five GCSEs to give them a good range of skills um, to, to base their future education on. So that's kind of my summary. I'll put a PDF document together. Any other questions, do reach out to us. We're always here to help and always here to guide you. And hopefully this is a quick 101 guide uh, to exams as a home educator. Next week's podcast, will be interviewing a parent who currently has her child going through the GCSE process. And you'll be able to find out some more information from a parent directly. So tune in next week to hear that as well. Thank you for listening into the UK Virtual School podcast. We hope you took value from this podcast. And if you did, please remember to like and to subscribe and to share what you've learned with other families. Now, if you want to find out about UK Virtual School, go to ukvirtualschool.co.uk or you can join our page or Facebook group, UK Virtual School. We hope that your home education journey is an exciting one. And if you're right at the beginning of starting out, do reach out to us and ask us for some support. I'm Sid, you've been listening into the UK Virtual School podcast and I'll see you next time.